Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. All right, this week we are going to be doing something slightly different that is board game adjacent, we'll say, not necessarily board game related. Um, as many of you guys know, I am really big into RPGs, specifically D&D. I love me some fantasy role-playing games. So today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're not necessarily going to be reviewing any sort of games, but we are going to be discussing D&D, and we might have a little special guest. Why don't you take it from here, Natasha? Why don't you tell us about this special guest? Yeah. So we are joined by my daughter, Parker. She's 15 years old. She's going to be a sophomore this year, and she's been playing D&D for a little bit and has now... Um, started running her own campaign. So welcome, Parker. YOLO. Hi. I love it. YOLO. Hey, you only, hey, listen, you only live once. That's the, yeah. that's the mantra of the teenagers these days. <laughs> Parker, before we get into any sort of D&D, I have a couple questions for you that are unrelated to Dungeons & Dragons that specifically involve your mother. And I was hoping that you could clarify a few things for me. Okay? Okay. Number one, is your mom cool? Nope. What? Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Number two. Wow. Your your mom has two accessories that she wears wherever she goes. Number one is a fanny pack, and number two is her like straw hat. Are either of those in fashion slash cool? I feel like fanny packs are very useful and they're a little bit in style, but not from like huh. She is a millennial, so it's appropriate for her. <laughs> I love it. So I look oh, cool. So I look. I look cool in it. I did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're not even going to talk about D and D at all. This is the worst thing you could have done: is invited your daughter on to like. <laughs> I feel oh, I attacked. It. Yeah, you should. Yeah, like, how didn't you know that this was going to happen? I thought like, you were you interested in D and D. I was this oh, we'll a get to that. We got we got hey man, we got time to fill. Like we're we'll talk about D and D in a little bit. But first, I had to like get these pressing questions. All right, last question before we get into D and D. Is your mom basic? Hmm, that is an interesting question because what basic means changes over time. It's a spectrum, sure. Yeah, she's not basic. Basic. I don't know. She's basic. In a way that's like, no, no, she's not basic. Not at all. You changed your okay. mind on that? You did call me basic at one time. Well, like personality-wise. My perception, you're very much mom, but then I meet other moms. And not cool is not the right word, but <laughs> basic is not the right word either. Huh, it's weird. She, like, you don't go to Starbucks. You don't have that little, like, you don't have that vibe. But you do wear, like... You do wear a lot of like, what's that called? Where like goes over your sleeves and like teachers wear it a ton. Cardigans? Cardigans. You have cardigan vibes, which is very basic. But also you went to a board gaming convention. So that evens it out. Yeah. No, it makes it worse almost, I think. (laughs) I don't know if it evens anything out. It makes me not basic. It might not be cool, but at least I'm not basic, right? Okay. Let's... Let's let's get away from bashing your mom for a moment. Let's talk D and D, role playing games. Um, my understanding is you recently started a campaign with some of your friends, correct? Yes, towards like the beginning. It was right before school ended, 
a couple weeks before that, and I was just like, I really wanted to do a campaign. I didn't know what it was going to be about. I just wanted a campaign. And I invited, like, a whole bunch of people, thinking mm-hmm. that, like, half of them were going to say no. And only two said no. So now we have, what is it, eight people, not including me? Jeez. Yeah. Do all eight show up on a regular basis? Basis. No, which I think is good. We have a usually two to three people that can't make it. Yep. It's actually kind of perfect because, like, we can only fit seven of us around the table, including me. So if more than – if everybody showed up, we wouldn't be able to fit everybody. And with the two people gone, it's easier to have, like, in D&D, you're the hero of your own story. And I'm able to, like, as a DM, grasp that more if there's less people at a certain table at the time. And it makes combat easier so it doesn't take as long. Fair. That The one thing about having a ton of people – because I've played – I've played, you know, Pathfinder with eight players and it just everything gets just bogged down. It doesn't go well. It just, yeah, it can be a pain. But I really liked how you said you're the hero of your own story. And I think a good thing that GMs or DMs can do game masters is I think it creates more buy in when you can, you know, cultivate their own stories and integrate it with the story you're telling. Is it homebrew like you come up with everything or are you doing like an adventure path of some kind? What kind of story are you creating? We started out with like a, um, it was by Wizards of the Coast. It was a very much like, you do this. If this happens, go this way. It was in like a mind chat and something like that. And we did that for the first, I think, three sessions. And mm-hmm. then I realized these people need to be arrested. They're committing war crimes. So we did that. And then I was like, okay, now we've met, we've met the big bad. I don't know how, that, well, yeah, we, they stumbled upon the big bad's lair. No. Big Bad's town layer thing. It's mm-hmm. complicated. I don't, I don't. And that could have led us off on our own track. And with more homebrewy things, what I've started to do now is have a basic, like, uh, a basic monster that you find in, like, every campaign and then, like, reskin it. So it's like, okay. it's like, oh, it's just a goblin, but it's like a ghost goblin that has, that breathes fire, but that doesn't actually attack you with fire. It's just cool. That type of deal. Yeah. And I have a homebrew story, and then some of the things I just made it easier and used from D&D Beyond and stuff like that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool to be able to kind of do your own thing like that. Sometimes those adventure paths just kind of put you on a train and just kind of, you know, head have you go that way. It's funny that you bring up the committing war crimes and they need to be arrested. Have you heard of the term murder hobo? Yes. <laughs> and I've been desperately trying to steer my party away from that. <laughs> I uh, you can, can be a murder hobo to the bad guys. Murder them. Not uh, that... Billy the tavern owner who's just trying to get by. <laughs> he's just trying to he's just trying to earn enough coin to support his family. Like why are you trying to murder hobo him? Oh yeah. my god. They're them trying to get into like an inn for free and have the night there was so interesting because one of them rolled a nat twenty and like nat twenty is the best case scenario. And I'm right. like, yeah, your best case scenario is getting half off. He's not going to let you in the room for free. Because, like, this guy is, I've made a point, this guy is starving. No one visits this town. He needs food. They found out all this. And then they tried to seduce him. He has three, He I canonically had him have three wives. He doesn't need another one. He's good. He's also- and the fact that they rolled a two really helped the fact that he's not going to get seduced. <laughs> I want to play in your campaign, Parker. <laughs> this is it's awesome. a bunch of teenagers who are very um, 
uh, I don't actually want to do it. I'm going to let you do your own thing. But it sounds amazing because that the thing is, like, players are always trying to get away with, like, the wackiest stuff. Like, yeah, I want to get in for free. Like, no, old boy's got three wives. He's got mouths to feed. Like, he's a business owner. He's not going to give you a room for free. Like, he'll give you discount. It's, come on now, guys. I know one of them just, um, two of them just were like, all right, here's some gold pieces. And they left. And that allowed them to not go to jail, which I thought was funny. Cause of actions. Be nice to this one tavern owner, and then you don't go to jail. Yeah, because, you know, one right count miscounts all the 90 wrongs that you did. Do they have a residence somewhere? Right now, they're very much exploring the world because I've had it where there's like five pieces of a math that they have to find. So they're very much exploring. I would like yep. to set up a home base, but they haven't shown any interest in it. So not yet. Maybe if we like, like we're in like a mask arc. If we move into like another arc, then possibly there would be a home base. Got it. And so they are my, hobos. They Facts. are hobos. Got it. All right. All of them have some deep ways that they have no parents. All, not a single one of them has two loving parents. <laughs> they all come from broken <laughs> homes. Yep. <laughs> That's so teenage experience, I know, right? right? <laughs> oh, my God. How many are emo? Are any of them emo? Ooh, okay. <laughs> oh, man. I had questions, but this is way better. The cleric is the most emo, depressed person ever, and I've given them the god of rebirth, which is a valley girl if they were a god. Yeah. That relationship is so funny because the god is like, oh, spread love and peace, and it's like, like, and the dude has is a cleric that has a demon possessed in him. And it's like, I would like to murder everybody. No, you can't use my powers if you do. It kind of breaks the rules. Can't do it. Maybe <laughs> won't allow it. <laughs> oh, that's so good. See, Natasha, this is what I love about D&D. Is this. <laughs> is this creating, creating the story. Like having a bunch of people like trying to just create characters and have fun. Oh, so good. So good. Parker, tell us how you set the mood for the for the um, campaign. Oh, okay. With me, I have a hard time keep it very dark and mysterious because I always want to like lighten up the mood and stuff. So to counteract mm-hmm. that, I put like red flickering lights in the basement. So now when you turn the lights on, it like you can barely see the characters. It's like all most like e- you walk into like imagine those emo teenager room. That's the basement right now. fantastic yes i love it because again almost all of them are email so it's like works with their character do you have access to a bluetooth speaker one of my uh my actual cousin who's in the campaign uh he they have a speaker and they are they bring in every session and then i have my music guy is another character he's a pile of goo in the campaign but he um I've given him control of the music. I sometimes have to, I have to like, oh, you got to play this during the session to set the mood. But most of the time, it's just like some characters have theme songs when they appear. Like the god that I talked about, the really yes. like god. They have like a, I don't know how the thing is. It's like a do 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 do. And then one of the characters like a suit of armor, and they have anytime they like pass out or something, they have the Lego. I don't, I don't know how like it's a Lego falling apart sound. Yes. Yep. We all know that sound. Yeah. Anyone who's played a Lego game knows that sound. It's that sound. And it's it's a very funny campaign. And then, I don't know. I don't have a hard time making it dark, but something will happen where I'll like horror in their eyes. And I also, with being the DM, I get to see the players figuring out the clues that I gave them. 
Yes. Yep. Because I had one point where there was like, I don't know, they figured out that they had to speak a certain language to cross a bridge. And I like laid clues the whole session and they finally figured it out. And that was a really cool moment. And that was just a little moment that took off like a, what, like a fourth of the session, a fourth of the session. Oh, my God. But yeah, that well, and stuff like that, I think is is cool because there's the three pillars of RPGs, right? There's there's exploration. So finding stuff, figuring stuff out, putting together clues, solving puzzles, that sort of thing. There's combat based stuff which obviously, you know, with the big bads or whatever. And then there's obviously the role play piece where people, you know, will use voices or do anything like that. Do you use voices when you're interacting with your players? Do you change your voice up or is it always the same? I try to, like I talk about the Valley girl. I have, I have, I'm a little embarrassed to show it. Cause like she comes out when she's natural. My mom also knows her as Beatrice. That's the, um, what, I see her face right now. She's like smiling. She's doing that little grin. Okay. <laughs> yeah. She knows what's she's up. Like, yeah. It's like a very high pitch and I try to go low but I struggle with it because it ends up just sounding like gurgly. I try to do voices. And what I do instead of it, I add I add different like body posture. Like if it's a mm-hmm. hippie, I'm more flowy. With like, if they talk to like a soldier, I'm more standstill that, so they can know who they're talking to. Yeah. And I know sure. some of the characters, like uh, we don't, we, some of them do like cues to see when they're talking in character and out of character. But some characters, like they don't change their voice or anything. But my cousin, they completely change their like way of talking where they come yep. like I get more. They're already a very scary person. They can beat my butt if they wanted to. But and then they go into like intimidation mode and like they try to intimidate like the person trying to intimidate. But they end mm-hmm. up intimidating me. So I give them advantage. <laughs> if they can make <laughs> yes. me be if they can like with intimidation, you have to make me be afraid. And then you can get advantage. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, I think talking with your hands is uh slightly underrated i think you know posture and gesturing and different things like that i think can add quite a bit i don't necessarily think voices are the only way to go i think you can do a couple things but so let's talk about how you got into D. so i know your dad plays D. i know your mom refuses to play D. <laughs> i don't so, refuse i have played i have played a one shot <laughs> yeah that great. Uh, okay yeah <laughs> anywho let's Let's just like pretend a barbarian like your mom's or something. That is not the right character for you, girl. No, a hundred percent agree. That is not the character Natasha needs to play. No, no. Nope. Like Druid's more of the vibe, but also I don't think you would heal anybody. Unlikely. <laughs> she would. No, you know what she? So when I played Pathfinder, we had a dwarven cleric who worshipped the god of Torag, and anytime you wanted healing, you had to pay homage to Torag in the in uh, coin. So anytime you wanted healing from him, you'd have to pay him money. And he said he'd always like donate it to Torag, but I don't think he ever did. I don't recall him ever going to the Temple of Torag and giving away that gold. So that's just how that happens to go sometimes. All right. So how let's let's circle back. Tangent. Uh so how'd you get into it? Like what uh how'd you start developing the passion of Dungeons and Dragons? Well, since like I was like eight, I'd always have my dad talk about Dungeons and Dragons yep. and stuff like that. And then we did that one chat with my family. And then since then, I've always wanted to play. I just could never find a group. And then it was like I always knew the basic rules, like the basic you roll the dice, blah, blah, blah. And yep. then I just started watching Dimension 20, which uh, okay. is a and d podcast sort of video show. And it's really cool. And then I really wanted to play. And then I joined a group at school. And they are the most chaotic people I've ever met. And they're like, mm, the DM, I like, 
I saw the flaws in his DMing. I'm like, okay, out of spite, I'm going to do my own DMing. I'm doing the same flaws, but now it's me. So I'm a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, my ego facts. is high. Yep. And then I just started yep. playing. I really haven't been playing for that long, but I've known about it for a very long time. What is it about D&D that you like? Like, what about it that made you want to come to the game and play it, having heard your dad talk about it? Like, the fact that you can just do anything. The problem with any other games that I play is the fact that they have, like, certain rules, and you have to follow these rules. And, like, no, you can't just go rob the other person. That's against the rules. You're not supposed to play that way. Mm-hmm. And, like, I play, I play, like, board games and stuff with my mom all the time, and I'm, like, I get stuck with, like, I want to do something, but that isn't in the rules. And with... With D&D, you can do anything if your DM allows you to. And I allow to do pretty much whatever. The rule of cool. Yeah, the rule of cool. If it's like, if it's something that what, makes sense for you to do, you can do it. And I love that. I love that, that you can just to seduce the bad guy. You don't need to fight him. You seduce him. Yeah, there's been, I, I recently just had, because uh, I, I, I DM um, a homebrew myself. We don't meet that often, but. What's funny is they went into a combat and I was like, there's for sure this is there's no way this isn't going to be combat. And they ended up role playing their entire way out of it. And it's just cool to see the players like develop that and like, you know, the uniqueness by which they're trying to like get away with this thing. They come up with some really interesting ways and stuff like that. And I love seeing as a DM just sitting back and watching them figure that out or go about things in an alternative way that I didn't think about, you know, that sort of thing. Exactly. And that's like the hard part of DMing is like sometimes they'll just do stuff that you weren't planning on. And then it's yeah. like, oh, they want to go to church now. Uh, Yeah, you find the God of Light's church. Oh, you're like the Lucifer of this world for the God of Light. Oh, OK. You start burning up as you walk in. <sighs> that was an interesting session. But it's the fact that they can do whatever. And sometimes. Like, I have some sessions where I just don't plan because either one, there's not going to be combat. Like, it's just going to be a yep. role-playing episode. And so I just, I had that with my most recent session. And I just was like, I, I planned a question of the day and that was it. And then I did, honestly, in my opinion, pretty good because I had all the lore stuff in my head. Like, they mm-hmm. were exploring a city and they had to go around and meet different people and stuff like that. So I had all those people in my head because I had already existed them into reality before yep and that's the key with i feel like that's one of the keys with dming have different characters that you can use at all times like have a bartender in your head like you know a few things about him put it on a google slideshow and then you have this character that you can pop in at any point and if you need a lore drop you can do the same thing like my characters uh there's this new character and i had that i a new character in a session i had them roll to see how much they knew about their like lore and stuff because they were from a cult or something and mm-hmm. none of them none of them rolled above a five and i was like okay so they're gonna and then they explored like a forest or something and they came across these details and they were able to learn them about the character which then caused a little bit of like not fighting but a little bit like you were in a cult, bro. That type of deal. And still got to the solution you wanted, even if they roll that. Yeah, you present them the details in a different form than them just making a roll or whatever. So it's mm-hmm. it's that fluidity of being a DM where this is what you thought you were they were going to do. They didn't do it. Okay, well, we're going to do something completely different. Like this last session that I did, I thought for sure they were going to go explore like a forested area. They did not. It wasn't even like remotely close. They stayed in the city. 
they explored like docks and stuff. So I had to like pivot like, okay, I planned all these encounters for, you know, being in the forest. Now let now we're going to move into more role play and they're going to be like sneakily trying to find things that are happening within the, you know, the docks of this particular town. So being able to just pivot and say, okay, like this is a thing now or, you know, again, I really like the idea of, like you said, having just having random NPCs that, you know, that you can bring in if for some reason something shifts within the campaign. Like, OK, I have, you know, Caleb, he's a 38 year old, you know, halfling that owns this bar and he has three wives. And now he needs, you know, the coin to feed his, you know, feed his people. He has 16 children, you know, um, pretty much So just being able to being able to pivot, I think, is is a positive, very positive thing. It sounds honestly like i've had i've sat and i've played with a lot of gms dms whichever term you want to use i usually use game master just because it encompasses more but i've sat with a lot of gms and you seem to have a grasp on the positive way to gm way better than i know a lot of adults do and part of that is that you know helping the characters cultivate their own stories weaving their backgrounds into the story and everything like that i really i really like that um i was going to ask if you prefer being a player or being you know a game master and it sounds like you're probably more in line of being a game master it's it's complicated i don't think you can compare the two i don't think that i don't like one either over the other because they're completely in my opinion completely different experiences of the game yeah agree i play in my dad's campaign and it is super fun i am my own character i'm a cleric of the god of milkshakes i love my their name is bloodshed they're named after their favorite milkshake i love that you invent your own lore and you watch the dm do all the work for you love that and then as a dm side you get to watch all the players do that and being a dm is a lot more work but it has a lot more reward than being a player yeah, there's a lot there's a lot more behind the scenes stuff being a DM for sure. There's there's so much prep involved and everything like that. I think people don't necessarily understand that, but you're building a story and I think that's where for me one of the things is I'm a very analytical person, so when I play like board games with your mom, it it's one of those things that like I love figuring out the best way or how to score the most amount of points and everything like that. Like that really tickles my brain, but something like D&D uses a completely different side. It's more that creative piece of mine. And where where I can go, what kind of story can I tell? You know, typically I would do Adventure Pass, so it would be a story that was pre-made. But now doing like a homebrew, it's all me. And I have a general idea. It's in my own world. I have my own like map that I created. I have my own like towns that I have. And it's just developing the story with the characters, using their backgrounds and interweaving it with the story and creating that, using that creative piece. You know, using the creative side of my mind as opposed to the analytical side of my mind. So that's what I really love about role playing games. Now, do you think would you consider yourself more a creative mindset or more of a like analytical mindset? Definitely creative, but some of my players are definitely analytical. So yep. I try my best to give them analytical stuff. But from a creative mind, it's more like solve this puzzle. Yep. Using create like I have a hard time doing it. And that's why I usually look up like cool puzzles or tricks or something like that. Or I just allow them to one of my favorite things is in the middle of combat when you have someone who's like very smart figure out what they have to do or figure out that like, oh, this is this bad guy, this is where the story is leading. And I have a hard time doing that in my dad's campaign where I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I just wanna fight some people. 
Yep. But you can watch them figure it out in their minds because they say stuff. Or some of my players like text me things like, is this going to happen? And then I'm like, I don't know that type of deal. Or when yep. they figured out how to defeat the big boss in session, like two sessions ago, they're like, what if we blind the God of light? So we can't have any, or something like that. I was like, that was my plan. How to defeat the bad guy. What the heck? <laughs> they figured yep. it out way too early. And like, Oh yeah. It's, Sitting back and watch, like some of my favorite moments as, as a DM is is just sitting back and watching them do their thing, watching players like talk to each other within character and trying to like figure out what they're gonna do, you know. And I try to leave, at least from my perspective, I like to leave sessions because somewhat open ended. Like you're you're at a fork in the road. Which way do you decide to go? I don't necessarily like railroading players or you know putting them on a specific path. Like you get to choose. So oftentimes I'll, you know, you'll have like two or three things like these are the things you want to do. Like, what is it that you want to do? That way I can like create the following story or whatever. But just sitting back, just watching them do their thing is amazing. I did. Uh, it's funny you bring up puzzles because I, I found a puzzle on TikTok and I presented it to my players and I thought it would be very easy. I actually vetted it through a former employee of mine. She tried it with her group and she's like, yeah, they got it almost instantly. I was like, all right, sweet. Like, I can do that. Like, I'm dealing with, you know, people who have, like, master's degrees and stuff like that. Like, intelligent people. Like, they should be able to get this. Uh, no, it took him, like, an hour and a half. And, like, thankfully, I didn't make it. So, like, you die if you don't figure it out. And finally, like, I presented it. And, like, the funny thing is now the running joke is their crux in the campaign is puzzles that a five-year-old could solve. So, they're, <laughs> so they're I like... I love that. I love that. So I've seen like so many videos on TikTok and stuff like that about that same thing. Yeah, like it just didn't click. And what was cool about this puzzle is like it was one of those things where one player steps into another room, this door seals. He has the answer to the puzzle they're trying to figure out. So I, I moved him out of room and I put him like uh, in the, my basement area. I put him like on the other side of the wall. So they had to try to communicate that way. And it just it just fell apart. Like so quickly, and I was just like, man. But the guy that was like giving the advice was doing such a good job, and I was like, man, they just can't, they just can't figure it out. And I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna give them puzzles anymore, but if I do, they're gonna have to be like super, like super simple. Like, like imagine the child's toy where you take the different shapes and you put them in the different spots. Like that's the kind of puzzles I'm gonna have to give them. You have a triangle. What hole does the triangle go into? <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for saying that, but. Um, so you have eight players, right? Mm -hmm. How have you developed and cultivated the friendships with these people? Like, how has this game strengthened your your friendships with these people? I'm going to be honest here. I think it's strengthened it in a way of, like, we've all come closer as a group and we got to know each other better. Yep. But also, some of the players now a little bit don't like each other as much. Because, listen, rolling a nat one sometimes really damages people's friendships but also having like everybody with our cleric everybody's gotten closer with the cleric because he's been he keeps on resurrecting everybody so sure, everybody yeah. loves him now and coming closer as a group you're also able to like as a party like in character if you give like i know two of my players like their backstory is interchangeable like they meet each other so now mm -hmm. they're like friends that way. And they were already friends. Like they were best friends beforehand. And I know some of them that um, like they didn't know each other. 
like I have this one dude named Grant. He goes to a different school, like different school entirely. None of us knew each other besides me and Grant. And to be honest, we're not that close, but we've all got to know each other better. He's also playing Grant the Wizard. His name is Grant. He has no backstory. He's cursed with a curse that makes him hurt people. My guy. And you're like with that, I wanted to lead into this next part of allowing people that aren't good at role playing to still be a part of this. It's a great experience. Like the people who have don't have any backstory, don't have any good parts, like stereotypical good role playing skills usually have the funnest because they're like, wait, I can just do whatever I want that type of realization. And that's why a lot of people say they love playing with new players for exactly that reason of like, Oh, I can, I can do that. Or like, them learning their limits is so fun to watch because everybody but two players was new. Relatively, like, no, everybody but three players. Like, so five people at my table didn't ever play D&D before. And now we're playing D&D almost every week, and it's so much fun. We've all come together as a group closer mm-hmm. because of this common thing. And I know I wanted to hang out with all these people beforehand. I just didn't have, like, an excuse to, and now I do. Right. Yep. I also wanted to talk about, like, since the beginning, about how you want to have everybody feel like they're the main character, even if their backstory is, like, liminal and stuff like that. I have one of my players who's obviously the main character, who's, like, supposed to, if you, like, written out all their backstory, you'd be like, oh, that's the main guy, and they, um, they're the Lucifer of the God of Light, they've came down. And if you're doing any other basic story, you would have them be like the lead of the arc and stuff like that. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted everybody to be a part of this equally. And then you also have another guy who's like also equally, if you had to pick between the two of them, you might have picked him. Of he's like he's the one who gave me the idea of the five mass pieces around the world. That's his backstory. But then you have the pile of goo who um is just as important. He's just as important to the story because without him, you wouldn't find this one mass piece. And you're you got to, I've been able to overlap people's backstories in so many different, like, uh, one of this guy's ex-friends kidnaps the goo guy's brother. And then I have that, you gotta, you gotta make sure everybody's at an equal playing field when it comes to, like, a por- importance to the story. Or, if you're struggling to come up with a reason why, give them something. Like, my bard, their entire backstory is just one breakup, and I'm like, okay, um... On the first session, they fall from a really high place, and they're like, can I, like, pray to a god? I'm like, yeah, sure. I answer your call. So now they know they're in a, they, I've had this concept for a player for a very long time of a player who knows they're in a D&D campaign, and that's them, and none of the other players believe them, and it's the funniest thing. I like, love that. Guys, we're in, a, we're in a game. We're in a, none of this matters. I'm like, okay, Steve. <laughs> That's so good. They all yep. think he's insane. Like all their characters think he's insane, and it's the funniest thing in the world. And then he um he has advantage on all death saving throws, so he's literally it's very hard to kill this guy. Yeah, and if, right. You're yeah, really yeah. like, and he's like he's like he doesn't have the lucky trait, but I give him like since he's a bard, he's very high persuasion. So randomly, I'm just like, all right, roll a persuasion check. Like he's like, hey, can I do this? I'm like, yeah, roll a persuasion check. I'm like, yeah. The bad guys just straight up run away for no reason. <laughs> the hand of God. Yeah, the hand of God. <laughs> so good. And That's you can so use good. that. I would give, I'm giving that out to any player, especially give that to a new player who hasn't played before. 
give them a little bit of like guiding hand sort of feel. Yeah. And also speaking of new players, what I did is I put the three players like next to two beginner players so then they can help each other out. And then if they don't help each other out, I make fun of them for not helping each other out. It's like, like if a guy's like obviously confused on what to do, like what do I roll or something like help him out. Help them out. Why aren't yeah, you helping them out? You gotta like, shame them into doing what you want them to do. Yeah, Public shaming yeah. is very successful. <laughs> it is. It so is, is so bribing, much. right, Parker? <laughs> I remember oh, you were yeah. bribing them. Oh, yeah. One of the kids and one of the players brought McDonald's and I gave them advantage for giving me a front try. <laughs> that's that's the way it, that's the way it rolls. I love it. Uh, one of the things you brought up that really strikes home for me is new players getting new people involved and watching them learn the game and understand like yes there's a rule set because if you go through D&D and look through the player's handbook there's a ton of rules there's rules for everything acrobatics insight perception you know saving throws that sort of thing there's so many like rules but it's incredibly open and free-flowing. And like we said, the rule of cool rules all. So if if they want to do something that's super epic within the game, and it there's not necessarily a rule, you just kind of wing it and you come up with it. Like maybe they're trying to do this specific thing and you make them do a couple checks, you know, do a strength and acrobatics check in order to accomplish this task. And it's cool seeing people step out of their comfort zone and say, oh, this is a thing I can do. And then developing like, oh, okay. And then you start seeing them loosen up a little bit and they start doing some role playing and they start doing some other things and like just starting to like enjoy playing the game with their fellow players, you know, and develop and developing that and just watching them grow is I think you hit the nail on the head with that specifically. Watching that is really awesome to see. Oh, with I, I completely forgot about this, but with that, with like going out of your comfort zone, comfort zone, one of the, I have this the cleric. He was like really shy at the first start of it, and not like knowing anybody. He was a very shy dude. Uh, I've been, um, my parents are friends with his mom, so mm-hmm. it's very much we known each other for a while, and that's like I feel like the only reason he came to us. But he is so much more talkative, and like so much more out there. Because, I feel like because of D&D and with I, I have a strong belief that every character you make is just a different facet of you. Yes. Like that's why I kind of like, oh, you're the deep loner who has no friends. Like that's your character playing. I'm like, OK. And then like the next day at school, like you know, you're a really close friend of mine and you're really valued. Like using that and being like, oh, this character is just religious trauma. That's the Lucifer. You're right. And right, <laughs> yeah, and again with the character who's really shy, he has it's not noticeable like session by session, but I just compare him to like the time I first like got into the D and D group. Oh my goodness, there's a difference. And yeah. now he's like, you're so much more open to do things if you realize that it's just a game. There's no real consequences. <laughs> That's and also with the. Uh, it's cool, whatever, you can do it. I have that on everything. Sometimes I'm just like, if they present an idea, like I have them roll for it, but no matter what they roll, they're succeeding because that's a cool idea. Yeah, sometimes the roll is arbitrary to what they're actually, they're like, you're going to do it. Just like, I'm going to have to make you roll and like sweat it out. 
It might not work. Yeah. Yeah, it might not work. I put quotation marks up because I'm quoting. <laughs> you know, I uh, you know, watching Critical Role and watching you know Matt Mercer or whatever. One of the things he says that I really love is, "You can certainly try." You know, like yes. somebody wants to do this thing, you can certainly try, which is like. Like, yes, go ahead, try it, like do whatever you want to do. But it also has this, it has this little undertone that's like, I mean, you can do it, but it's probably not going to work. And if it doesn't work, like there's going to be consequences. (laughs) All right. So do you think everyone should try a role playing game of some kind? Hmm. I don't think everybody has to. Some people just don't vibe with it and that's okay. But if you like, if you're an extrovert or someone who's just very creative in any portion of a thing, it's definitely something you should try out because it'll allow you to explore different, like if you love board gaming, I feel like in you like what's the type of board games that like is really good with this board games that have like characters. I don't know. My person that came to mind was Sheriff from Nottingham, but that's like not that at all. Or like a board game where you always, you're stuck you feel limited by what it offers, mm-hmm. then you should try a type of world role-playing game. And it doesn't have to be D&D either. I know there's some some like other games that I just can't... Uh, I think it's called Teens on Bikes or Kids on Bikes. Kids where on Bikes, it's like yep. Kids on Bikes. And it's a different system than D&D. It's a way easier system, in my opinion. And yes. it's still a role-playing game. And it's still... I did it as a one shot. My dad DM'd it for my group of friends and we had so much fun. Any type of role gaming play when you can just get out like a facet of your personality or like you love to talk, I would do a role playing game. Well, the the best part about role playing games in general is like D&D is the one everyone goes to. It's like the number one role playing game system. But there's so many. There's Shadowrun. There's Call of Cthulhu. There's you know, kids on bikes there, you can do transformers, you can do GI Joe, you can do all these different systems. There's so many different systems out there. If you want futuristic, you know, cyberpunk, there's that for you. If you want futuristic dystopian society, there's that out there. If you want to, you know, do 1920s, you know, Cthulhu stuff, there's that out there. There's so many different role-playing games. You can, there's Star Wars role-playing games. There's Star Trek role-playing games. There's so many, so much content out there. I think there's there's something for just about everyone. Parker, do you have any advice for somebody who's interested in starting up a D&D campaign but is nervous or scared to do it? Um, So advice for starting a new campaign. It's very much ask as many people as you can. Ask people who play just board games or card games in general. People who like to roll dice, who like to take chances. And you can always, there's always, I forgot what they're called, but they're, oh, manuals. But not manuals? I don't know, but there's like there is stuff out there that has like written out steps that you can follow, and if you're new to DMing, you can use those and you can latch onto that, and then eventually, when you feel ready, you can go off and do your own thing. And but you can also always fall back on those too. Yeah, on a scale of one to ten, rate your D and D experience up until this point. Solid eight, but also if you're a DM, take breaks because if you don't, you'll get overwhelmed and then sad. Burnt out. It is a thing that happens. Burnout. DM burnout. Well, thanks for joining us, Parker. I appreciate um, being able to chat with you about D&D, specifically like your campaign and everything. And It's awesome to hear how well it's going. It's awesome to hear how you're approaching the being a, you know, a game master, approaching it from the perspective of 
you know, the three pillars of the exploration, combat and role playing and interweaving your characters stories within all that. It's really awesome to hear. I think there I think more GMs should do that. I don't there's a lot that are just kind of entering this mindset that it is me versus the players. When I first started playing and first started GMing, that was kind of the way I thought it needed to be. Like I was versus the players, but it's not. I am the overall narrator of the story. I'm the one that's cultivating what the group, you know, encounters and everything like that. But I'm the narrator of the story. I am not the main character of the story. They are the main character of the story. It's not me versus them. It's me helping them along their journey of the story. I just wanted to mention of the me versus you dynamic of like DM and party that that's bad for reasons that the whole point of having a is playing like any role playing game is to have fun. And I think my job as a DM is to make sure everybody has fun. And sometimes, yeah, yeah, that means killing your little familiar so you would rise up against the bad guy. And then, of course, you'll be able to resurrect him. I'm not that bad. That type of vibe. (laughs) It's like, I will give you hardships and I will be the bad guy so you will have fun. And I'll have fun in the process because I'll get my little resentments out by being all up. Oh, I killed my entire party. I didn't even mention this. You TPK'd your party? Oh, yeah. That's the city that they were in, exploring stuff in their last session. I killed them all, and then they explored the underworld, and then they sued gods, and they got the goddess, the god of life's son resurrected them in the middle of their trial. I'm having, if you're in my party, don't listen to this, but I'm having this. I like, doubt they're underla- listening to this podcast, Parker. <laughs> <laughs> if... I'm having this overall plot of like they go to trial and then their court cases keep on getting interrupted by a like very powerful figure. First, it was the cleric's god, and now it's the god of life's son. And I'm just going to do it like five times <laughs> until they finally get a court case where it doesn't get interrupted. Yeah. Except, and they all got mad at me like, why keeps on getting interrupted? I'm like, I know, that's really bad. So bad. Oh, man, who would have thought? Weird. Weird how that keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> it's the story. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and also how you sometimes don't want to get the players exactly what they want. Because sometimes it's like, yeah, you'll, but then you have no work for it. But if I make you, if I shove you to the ground and then you defeat this bad guy and then you get what you want, that's a lot better, isn't it? Yeah. You got to earn it. You yeah, you got to earn it. Can't just have it. Yeah. Oh, you want that sweet magic item? All right. You got to defeat this guy to do it. It's in the middle of this dungeon where all this lore is. Now go get it. And when they get mad, well, I need a plus one weapon. Well, you know where it's at. You know where it's at. It's down there. You can just go get it. It's that simple. Is it though? No, (laughs) it's not. It's never that simple. (laughs) Oh, so much fun. So Natasha, are you like hearing your, you know, Parker talk about all this D&D stuff? Does it like at least intrigue you to try it again? Like, are you like, yes, let's play some D&D? No, no. She lost me at, it has no rules. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm generous with the way I play with rules, but I do you like gen- yeah. time, some kind of guidance and rules to follow within. And I'm also, I think the reason why I'm not big into D&D is I'm just not creative. Like Parker loves writing stories and, you know, she loves creating all this lore and, and, and that's, that's a gift that she got from her dad but definitely not from me it's funny you mentioned that because i said it already at one point during this is that like D allows me to use the creative aspect of my brain 
because I used to think I wasn't necessarily creative either. I always like I always prided myself on, you know, I have a very analytical mind. I can like math is my subject, not necessarily creative writing. But the more I delve into, you know, creating content like this, this podcast, you know, doing the D&D sessions and everything like that, getting back into that from being as a kid, like it definitely sparks something in you and it, it gives you an opportunity to create that or to exercise the creative muscle in your brain. Mm-hmm. You know, you might not necessarily think you're super creative now, but as you continue to play and everything like that, I wonder if part of it is it's fantasy based. And I know you're not a fan of fantasy. Yeah, like the the stories don't interest me. Like I can't, I don't I don't get pulled into the story. Ooh, I wonder what's gonna happen. Like that that's it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it doesn't interest me, but it just doesn't. Would you play a like a like a Star Trek campaign if we did a if there was a Star Trek one? Possibly, but, but I like the idea of like there being puzzles in there. Like that sounds fun. You know, like Star Trek to solve. Like the ship is like you gotta like figure out this puzzle to fix the ship or something like that would be cool i love star trek i'll do a star trek campaign i love star trek i love it okay that's all i wanted to say oh we're about like i'm natasha i'm about to sign you up for some star trek role-playing games real quick parker's (laughs) involved like you know norm would do it he would love to do it yeah he would love star trek do you think max would play i don't i think max he doesn't have the sit in him he doesn't have to sit in that's yeah, that's yeah. I suppose that's fair. Poor fella. <laughs> He's gonna be d- not included. No, he might be able to get Maybe through it, by right? High Maybe. school, yeah. But ha- well he can sit in school, it's just at home, you know, it's harder. It's harder to sit between other people's turns. It's a long game for him. Yeah, it can be. And the thing is, I think the other thing for you is you wanna play and be done. I know with like Ashley, that's her thing is it just it continues to extend, extend, extend. Even though we've played like campaign games, but like you go through this one thing and this is done. Like you like we're doing Descent, mm-hmm. for example. You get done with this one part and then you're just done. You know, like, yes, the story continues to progress and everything like that. But you finish this one thing. Whereas, you know, like D&D, you might end up saying, all right, we're ending it here. And you might be in the middle of this like bigger picture thing. But you just yeah. don't have the time to finish it. Right. So I think mm-hmm. I wonder if that's part of it, too. I like having clear objectives, like a goal that I know I need to accomplish. Yeah. I don't think D&D is for everybody, but, you know, it's a great place to make friends and, and to interact with other people and to meet people that are like you and have similar interests in you. And Definitely very good um, if you like creating stories. And Yeah. I think people should try an RPG of some kind and not necessarily D&D. Like, that's just the one I like because I like fantasy settings. I like magic, that sort of thing. But what's cool now is how mainstream it's become and how accepted it is. Growing up playing D&D and everything, it wasn't as open and it wasn't as cool as it is now. Yeah, yeah, you can even play D&D at school after school clubs are doing it, which would have never happened in the 90s. No, that would, are you kidding me? That would have been fantastic. I would have loved it. Like you almost like I don't it sounds weird to think that yeah, you had to like hush hush about it be like, "Hey, do you hey, do you do you play D&D? Do you play D&D?" I play D&D. You want to play D&D? Now it's just like, you know, you blast it on social media. Hey, I'm starting a D&D campaign. Who's in? You know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So it definitely has changed over the years, which is awesome. Yeah. And Parker's even got a couple non-nerds in her group. What does that mean? Non-nerds. Who's not a nerd in my group? I think there's a couple of them. Who? I'm not naming names. 
But you got some cool. You got some cool kids in there. (laughs) What do you? Nerds can be cool. Like what? What kind of stereotype are you coming up with now? Like you got some cool kids in there. Yeah, like it's just more mainstream, is what I'm saying. Like it's not just you know, like nerds. You know, you always knew. You knew who was into D and D. Yeah, you could smell it. You could. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You you like rolling dice. You're not a jock or whatever, right? (laughs) That's what you're saying. That is what yeah, you're saying. It's, where now it's like basic, like it's kind of basic, Parker. You're kind of basic, you know. Playing D and D is not basic. <laughs> what? Does that mean I'm a basic girl? No, kind of. No, Parker. No, don't let your mom. No, no, don't. <laughs> no, you stop with that. Get out of here, Natasha. Playing D and D is not basic. Unbelievable. It's that you know what's basic? Col- loving college football, and I love college football, so I'm basic. I think everyone's a nerd at heart. You know, like the people who play fantasy, the amount of time and dedication they have to knowing which players are going to be putting up the stats and everything along those lines. It's not any different than like a person who knows how much like you can get away with as a particular character or what spells are on a on a list. Like you're still researching, a spe- you know, this specific topic, whether that be D&D or whether that be, you know, fantasy football. I did fantasy football for a lot of years, and I knew a lot of ridiculous stats off players, which was just because I spent so much time researching it. But the thing is, like, because it's, you know, football and everything like that, like, oh, yeah, it's more of a rugged thing that it's not as nerdy as, you know, playing board games and doing a and d campaign. It's nerdy. Like, you're running stats. You might mm-hmm. as well have, you know, might as well be in your stats class running stats about you know, according according to this chart, this particular receiver tends to do better against this, you know, this corner. So I'm going to play him as opposed to this receiver who doesn't do nearly as well as this corner. Like that's that's some in-depth strategy that you're figuring out and running numbers in order to create that. Like that's that's nerdy. Yeah. So what's 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 nerdy? Nerdy's getting into something and be like knowing knowledge about a certain topic. And I don't even think that's necessarily nerdy. I think it's nerdy. What makes it nerdy is like trying to talk about it with people who aren't interested. Exactly. Yep. You nailed it right there. I think it becomes nerdy when you try to engage with somebody when they're not interested in that particular th- particular thing. You try to explain D&D to someone who like, like my grandma, you sound ridiculous. And that's like you trying to explain fantasy football to me. I had no idea what you were talking about. Exactly, but anyone out there who does fantasy football is like, that's legit. Mm-hmm. I do and it. There's just enough yeah. people together so they don't ever get accused of being nerdy. Put them in a room full of people not into sports. Then they'll be the, the nerd. I wonder if part of that is, exactly, so you're, would that would the fantasy football person be a nerd to a board gamer just as much as the board gamer is a nerd to the fantasy football person? Yeah. Yeah, you put a bunch of, you put a fantasy, you know, into a group, like you put them into an old folks home. They're not interested in football. He'd be the nerd trying to talk about, talk about football when they're just interested in talking about everyone at church. I will tell you this right now. You just, we just expanded our retirement board gaming facility. I'm telling you that right now. We're going to have wings in our retirement facility. It's going to be a complex, a compound. We're going to need acreage because this is what's going to happen. We're going to have different sections, different wings. We're going to have a board game wing where it's just people retired playing board games. There's going to be an RPG wing where you just retired. You can play RPGs all day. 
There's going to be a magic wing. No, it's not really. It's going to be its own building off to the side in the back where no one can, like, you have to, like, take a trail to get to. You know, like, just just a little bit out of the way. Because out of the nerd hierarchy, they're probably, like, the most pretentious. Anyway, so they're going to be out. But they'll be part of it. They're going to be there. They're just not connected in the same building. And then we're going to have one wing that's just, like, people who play fantasy football. And they can just sit around all day on their laptops running stats. And that's all they're going to do to keep their mind sharp. Yeah. So yeah. we need we need a lot of acreage. Anyway, if we're going to run a Kickstarter campaign or maybe a GoFundMe, see if we can't come up with money to create this facility. Yeah, that's what I want to do when I retire. I want to hang out with all my friends and board game the whole time. Stay young, sharp. <laughs> stay, stay young and sharp. Statist- there Aren't there studies that show people who play board games after they retire are more mentally aware? I have not heard them. But we should do that that and then we'll take breaks and walk like we'll do power walking you know so we can stay fit because we can't sit around all day we won't live long enough no matter how good our brain is so we need a track is what you're saying there's gonna need to be a track yeah well no like a trail a nice pleasant trail i don't want to make me feel like i'm exercising this is gonna be a leisurely (laughs) stroll here i just want to walk out in the woods that's all i want to do i don't want to do anything else oh parker would you visit your mom in such a retirement facility maybe just to hang out with like the magic people I want to know what they're about. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, I play magic, and I'd be I'd be one of the people that would walk into that building. There, this is this is Magic the Gathering card game, not people who actually do magic. Oh, Correct. just to clarify, really? I thought. Oh, that's boring. Never mind then. I want you want see now. You know why they're separated in the in a different building. <laughs> they're different, man. Magic the Gathering, like we talked about the the hierarchy, right? The 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 trifecta. RPGers, board gamers, and um, collectible card or TCG players, and just the difference between all three of them. Um, man, yeah, I'll tell you what. I play Magic, and there's times I've played Magic where I'm like, ah, I don't know if I ever want to like interact with this person again. And I have that <laughs> feeling more when I play Magic than I do in anything else. I think the second worst is RPGers. I think they can be just as bad, especially when they're like. You need to take the game seriously, but there is a point where, like, you've taken it too serious, and that's just as bad. And I've seen it, like, I've seen DMs just have be terrible, and all they're trying to do is kill everybody at the table, and I've seen players be so, like, awful that I'm like, ugh. Board gamers are probably, like, the best group, but they're probably the biggest group, too. Well, no. They're probably... I don't know. I've played with some board gamers that I'm just like, mm, I don't know if I want to play with them again. But it's less than the other two. That is for sure. Hmm. Well, hope we didn't just alienate a whole group of people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if people play Magic the Gathering are listening to our podcast. Fair. Fair. That's true. <laughs> we're not... Listen, we're not, we're not, the, we're not the content for them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Parker. And thanks, everyone, for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week. Please give us a help. Please help us out by giving us a review and liking us on Instagram and Facebook. And please check us. uh, Please send us a comment or questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. Bye.